We ready? Ready? Ready, ready. Oh, it's already going. It's going. Here we go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School, starring Penn Gillette. My name is Michael Godot. Matt's on the road somewhere. Penn, Randy Rich, and I am broadcasting from Show Creator Studios South here in Las Vegas. It's time for our second show with TV star, magic star, prank the star, star of the Carbonaro effect, Michael Carbonaro. And we're going to talk to him about Billy Joel. Hello. <laughs> here he is preaching love, Mr. Penn Gillette. You know, uh, preaching love. Yeah, you 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 came into town to see Billy Joel. Yeah. So right. we were just incidental. That's right. Uh, and you came You're in from from L.A. to see Billy. Joel. I said, yeah, I flew my brother out here to go see Billy Joel together. Yes. Now you are uh, about twenty years, probably more, younger than I am, and uh, I, I'm forty five. Okay, so twenty years. So what Billy Joel means? See, Billy Joel has always been a real problem for me i thought you know i think i might have known that because billy joel is perfect i like everything about him yeah overtly atheist thoughtful good at the craft side of it real good inspirations knows how to write a pop song fine performer reasonably skilled singer reasonably skilled piano player solid consistent work all the way through and something about the way he's positioned for people my age and in my circle, you know, not Dylan, not Springsteen, not Paul Simon. Now, Dylan, you just put aside because Dylan's Shakespeare. We can't even get close to that. But it's interesting that Paul Simon and Billy Joel in my circle, it's fine to talk about how much you like Paul Simon. Billy Joel is still a little bit kind of like on the Celine Dion side Whoa. as opposed to the <laughs> Sub Raw side. Right. You know? But for someone your age and yeah. where you're from, do you have any sense what I'm talking about? Or is it just nonsense? I, I had a feeling, yeah, for, for real music heads. You know, I have that it would be, yeah, that he'd be a little bit on the fringe side and maybe not I so don't know cool, why. Not I so don't hip. know why. Uh you're a horrible person. I think you're so. Not allowing the beauty of <laughs> oh, there's no doubt about no, that. No, there's so much nostalgia tied to Billy Joel for me, and that's partially the age it's and also, also the also, region. It's I mean, regional, I'm from yeah. Long Island, yeah, and I mean they, those were anthems of so much of my life. I mean, I know the lyrics and the music to every single song he played last night. So it was mm -hmm. so there's just the nostalgia factor alone, and they're just great jams. So whether or not they're and he doesn't play stuff just like on the records, right? No, it's great arrangements. See everything and, and, he does right. Everything. No, he really does, and he's he he calls himself out for looking old right out the gate. He's so ahead of you, and he makes fun of everything. He sounds brilliant, and it, there's someone in I couldn't figure it out because there, he's singing really well for his age, you know, remarkably well. And there's a guy who's doing vocals in the back who got one solo section before scenes from an Italian restaurant. And he just did an Italian aria himself. It sounds exactly like billy joel well that's the guy who does the sound checks right i don't know do you well, know this about billy joel no no i think this is like the weirdest and also oh, greatest i did thing. hear about this he has a guy who sounds just like him who does his sound check so he doesn't have to go that's that's really great <laughs> teller has somebody like that yeah yeah wow. exactly well 
I was wondering if they were sneaking them in for some of the high notes and stuff. And if they are, they're doing it remarkably well. Well, they, you know, they do that for really almost everybody. Yeah. I mean, they... Uh, I've seen some... Yeah. I saw Enrique Iglesias, the tickets for free, don't start. I, I don't know where you put that on your scale. But he doesn't sing at all. Mm. I, he's just a recording artist. He's he's doing the... Passing the... You know, putting the mic out toward the crowd to have them sing along while he's nodding his head. He's not a singer. Cannot sing. Yeah. Live. And... Uh, well, you know, um, uh, most of the acts in Vegas are all going to track. Right. You know, they're not actually. You see the Super Bowl? You saw the Super Bowl. I didn't see the Super Bowl. The, I saw the halftime. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> the hell are you talking about? Okay, good. <laughs> right. Good. Yeah. As long as we're talking like grown-ups. <laughs> the concert. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you, you, not the brain damage section. No. Right. Eminem was, he was very bad at lip syncing. Yeah. He kept pulling the mic away from his face. It was really, everyone else was really, and they sh and it's okay that they do. It's totally okay. That's a you got to get in there. What do they have? Six minutes to get that set up. You got to nail it and get out. So it's fine. Let them use tracks. But I mean, you know, you should at least keep the microphone. Well, I don't know. I don't face. know. Uh, I get asked so much by people. I don't know why they ask me. Well, I, uh, but uh, you know, what is the morality? behind lip syncing in a show and i say you can't use the word morality because <laughs> it's show business so there is no morality okay it's whatever well you leave you the theater and you're happy uh, wait, wait though but how does that pertain to magic though because there's a morality of no there is not with television magic i dance that line of morality and be very careful with I that i only think it's because you're not a good enough actor <laughs> that's all i believe the reason we do things for real is just because i can feel it when they're not i think if i were a better actor i'd fake everything it's the same reason you can't use well, that, that, that's the mystery of acting too and the method too is does it matter if the crowd is feel, like the actor the instrument does not need to feel no scene some people know. say they do no i don't and think you, they do i don't, I don't think, think they do either no. i think you know, I was I was surprised. I saw Anthony Hopkins give away a trick, which is such a great trick for producing tears, which I couldn't believe because here we thought Anthony Hopkins this you know yeah. amazing instrument that's feeling all these emotions. Just, he's like a really shy guy in interviews, and he uh, he gave away this trick once in an interview where he just says, "You just keep your eyes open, and you leave your eyes open, and let the dust right. settle in your eyes." And what happens is, and I'm doing it right now, and I don't you know like I know it's a podcast, but like you get this tiny little glisten, and it's like enough for a scene. To look totally legit. What a trick. <laughs> it's just fabulous. Right? It's fabulous. Boy, that's good. But I, what I think is, you know, I went and saw, uh, I, I can say this, right? I went and saw Blackstone, you know, Junior, and he had uh, plants on stage. Many magicians use Stooges. Plants. Stooges. Right. Not decor. No, not decor. <laughs> Michael Christopher had plants on stage right. and macrame. They were fabulous. <laughs> In bloom, you know. Very nice. Regional. Very, but not 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 overstated. No. no, it's just enough to be. I did notice those. <laughs> um, but I said to tell her when the plants are up on stage that the only people who don't know what stairs are. Because when people try to act like plants, they try to act like they haven't gone on stage before. So that means when you call someone up from the audience and you say, come on up here, they go up the stairs two at a time. Yeah. They don't look, because they've seen stairs before. Yeah, that's They're really, really comfortable. cool. And the way I always tell people, if you want to know, and there's some magic shows working now that this also works for, by the way, if you know what I mean. 
Um, <laughs> you look at the people coming up on stage who look down at their feet when they're going upstairs. And if wow. there's people that have never seen stairs before, they're stooges. Wow. <laughs> and I just believe, I did a whole interview with Ozzy about this too, that it's just a technique to make sure the acting is perfect. Because I have tried. What is just a technique to make sure the acting is perfect? Um, doing it for real. Doing it for real right. is a technique. So you could do the Carbonaro effect. Oh, I see. Okay. You just can't find an actor good enough, and you weren't good enough to do that scene. Oh. That's all I'm saying. So what I consider doing it for real to be is an acting technique. That's weird. I don't know. I, I mean, it's. I still get people still think it's actors anyway. I've been in the editing room putting bits together where I'm like, I'm not going to believe that this mm -hmm. person is not an actor, and they're not. But it, there's something that doesn't look, ring true. Right, right. But I'm just saying you would have more of that. I think if you had actors, because I have tried. I have tried, and I mean, maybe I, you have acting training. You consider yourself a tra an actor. I don't, and I'm not. Now you can cry on cue. You can. Now I can. Yeah, that's too. what I mean. So maybe you could do it. But I find when we wanted to do, uh, there's a couple things we just thought it was easier. Right. To just lie about it. Everybody's professionals. Right. You know, just lie about it. And uh, man, I, I, I felt it didn't vibe out right. We can't even have a similar conversation twice. That's why we won't talk to you when you come in. We'll go, uh, don't talk to him, don't talk to him. Don't. Oh. Because if you say something funny and we decide we want to try to have that oh. moment again, oh, no, we yeah. can't do it. That's fair. We can't do it. That's you know, why the, Penn hasn't talked to me for 25 <laughs> years. <laughs> so today is good. The pre-interviews on Letterman are not done by Letterman. Right. You know, they, I mean, weren't done. Right. There's not, I'm not contemporary, but... Uh, but, uh, I mean, there's got to be some morality that if they could create a perfect hologram of you and Teller growing up every night, you'd be like, well, you know what? It looks just like us. I'm staying home. I don't think there's any morality. Uh, what is, who is being injured by that? That would be my question. My friend Penn would want me to correct this from morality to ethic. Well, th it's really tough. I've had long discussion about morality and ethics, but I, they're definitely not talking morality. And if you want to fall back to ethics, we can fall back to that. But it's definitely not morality because you cannot, you cannot find me a victim. You, you don't think there's no victim of someone who's just being lied to. Like uh, someone watches the show and, and tweets at me and goes, is that an actor? And I say, no, it's not an actor, but they're really an actor. Wouldn't that be a victim? I'm now lying to them in the same way that a swindler or a cheat or a spiritualist might lie. Except you're not lying about the universe. You're lying about something in fantasy. How is that different from Robert De Niro saying he drives a taxi and he's living in New York as a taxi driver? But that, but he actually went out and drove the taxi. Well, See, he's I, in the school. No, 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 no. Don't fuck with that. <laughs> no, but that's the, that's the still debated today in the acting technique. Is it really the feeling, the, the, the two worlds between Strasberg and Adler, right? Yeah. Or, or Stanislavski. Like they're trying to interpret whether or not the person really needs to drudge up their psychotic past life and go through this murderous feeling every night of torment mm -hmm. and become psychotic or can you just act where do you where do you stand on that i just leave my eyes open and let a tear <laughs> you know like i i don't think i can i've tried many times there's some techniques in acting that i can do like sense memory or um you know one of the best acting techniques i got i've not i'm not so great with recalling 
you know, those major emotions and pulling up scenes like that. Like, I can't cry on a, you know, I'm not a Leonardo DiCaprio caliber actor. But I can, you know, I had an acting teacher one time who said, you know, when someone says this line to you and it's supposed to really sting you, can you try just like, what would it be like if you got Ajita? And just like, like, let that like affect you. And it was really interesting. So that's a trick. But like, there I was when someone, you know, she said that line to me, I would get the Ajita and just have to swallow that down and just really concentrate on going through the agita. So that's, but what had nothing to do with actually being emotionally hurt. That was like a physical outside in approach. But also, and this is something that I think somebody smart must've written a lot about this. You are never trying to act like a real person in a real situation ever. Right. Different you're, styles. You're trying reality. to communicate transcend what, what the story would feel and the example of this is d snyder when the uh when covid hit yeah when covid hit um we were shooting the end of fool us and it was the last day of fool us and d snyder was doing a bit with teller i was doing knife through a jacket thing with d so d and i know d for years you know yeah. we're not close but i know him for years and he's this is also important to it he's very close to my height it's like an inch shorter than me, two inches shorter than me. We're the same age. That's also important. I've always loved that guy. Oh, he's great. What a guy. And we were in the hallway uh, of backstage at, at our theater. And uh, the fluorescent lights. I mean, all this is really important to my memory of it. And Dee had been on stage with Teller for two hours or something. They were lighting and doing stuff. He was totally out of everything. And he came over, and I stood close to him, just the two of us in the hallway, and I said, um, Tom Hanks and his wife have uh, tested positive for the COVID thing. They've shut down basketball, and they're closing all air travel from Europe to the United States and from China to the United States. This is spreading really fast and really bad. So D. Snyder had just gotten information that we were entering a plague and that the entire world was going to change from that moment. And I was giving him the information. And I was also aware, not in a, uh, in a cold way, but I was just aware that I was telling a friend this information. And I was this close to his face. And I got to see D. Snyder actually react to a piece of information that was mind-blowing. And D went, what? And I kind of repeated it, and he went, Oof. And I went, if we were shooting this scene, 100%. we could not use any of it. Right. None of it. No, 100%. Because that is not any sort of acting you want to hear. And I also read a study, and this is going to come so around to the Carbonaro effect, you're not going to believe it. <laughs> um, uh, they did a study, uh, which is just doing your show, but I was hearing the guy interviewed on an on a, on a, on a NPR or something, where they did a study where they did complete mind-blowing things to people, right? They, yeah. they, they, they were walking into a room, and then all of a sudden the room turned into a gymnasium or something, right. something absolutely impossible. And they filmed their faces, <laughs> 
And then they showed their faces to other people who had no idea what the situation was and said, what are these people experiencing? And no one said mind-blowing, unbelievable stuff. So what's interesting to me about acting is you not only want to get people to believe that you're feeling that, but also uh, get people to understand what you're feeling, yeah. which you don't see in the real world. And when Arthur Arthur Penn said to me that um, that he thought that you weren't going to have any good actors who were smart. He said, smart gets in the way. He said, the exceptions are Tommy Lee Jones, which no one understands why he's a good actor and how he can be smart, and James Woods, who's so crazy that he might as well be stupid, even though he's not. And he said, because you want a oversimplification of the reaction so the audience can see that on them. Yeah. And uh, so you were in the situation, a, a, a close to unique perspective of people really seeing their minds blown and having to see them. I mean, do you have examples, and I'd love to hear them, of people who were absolutely, completely fucking blown away and you couldn't use it because it didn't show? 100% all the time. <laughs> and I never quite could get it through my head that it was working. You know, I'm always paranoid that up oh, they're not buying it they're not believing it it didn't work they didn't see it and then we'd wrap and or i'd cut it short or whatever and i'd reveal to them they're like what like and then it broke the ice i was like oh my god you were you believed that like yeah i was just i didn't know what to say yeah, yeah they were in these moments that didn't matter but for the reaction like you said yeah you when you start to you have to transcend the part of the story and if it's a play or a movie or something like that that's when you get into like experimental theater, Brechtian yeah. way of doing it perhaps would be you have the you don't have the two actors face each other and get into an argument and punch the other one and you as the audience have to believe that those two people really mm -hmm. hit the other person. You have both people face the audience yeah. and tell their sides of the story and one reaches out and punches the air and the other one smears blood on their face with a sponge right. yeah. and that that actually tells the story better because you don't have to suspend your disbelief. You don't have to worry about whether these people are really doing that, just absorbing the story. We also had that thing that 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 David, David Hockney, I think David Hockney wrote about in, uh, that had never crossed my mind, which is before you have movies, it is vanishingly rare, like maybe never during your life were you able to see a situation where people interacted where you weren't part of the scene. And I'd never heard that definition of movies. Oh, wow. I mean, we are now so used to that pure voyeurism of two people are having dinner, they're having a conversation, we're watching it, and that's okay. You realize 300 years ago, that would happen never, never. in your life. You right. couldn't see Never it. in your life. So Not once in your life. Right. 100 years ago, people ran when the train came towards the screen. Yeah. yeah. You, had to, you would have to be invisible. You have to, be to sneak into a room. You never do it. And now we're really used and, to that. And get to sit on a table and look at their faces that close. And the psychological change that that makes from 300 years ago, that we spend, you spend now, uh, the average person probably spends Seven or eight. three hours yeah. a day. It's, it's higher than that, even. Invisible? They're spending three hours a day in situations where they are completely impotent. 
Oh right? Because you're watching. I hate this. You're like watching this. the show. You're watching Ozark. <laughs> I do it viscerally, like hurt. No, I'm thinking more screen time. No, you're right. But even screen no, time, no, but, I mean, turn invisible. but also you're talking. You're watching Ozark, right? And or whatever TV show you're watching. My six hundred pound life. Was that my six hundred pound life? Yeah. No, but I do watch Ozark. Yes. Okay, but Ozark. Yeah. You, totally scripted thing. It's gonna be very blue. And we know. We know for a fact that you are having an emotional response to stuff. We know that they're yelling, and we know that you're having a physical reaction to that. We know that you're within the plot, and you are experiencing that stuff, and yet you have no power, and you don't exist in the scene. 300 years ago, that doesn't happen. Wow. Ever. Because even if you're in the theater watching theater, which you know how rare that was for most people in the world, but even if you're watching theater... They're still in the room with you. Yeah. But that idea that you're just watching that, and I think about that, uh, now I've probably polluted you. Every time you're watching <laughs> stuff, it's you great. think, why am I, I'm not here. I thought about that with stereoscopic imagery. The first time you were able to see, for me, it was Beefcake Men in <laughs> Speedos. I have these a collection of like Bruce of Los mm -hmm. Angeles slides that I looked through, a, you know, a, sure. one of those real 3D viewers. But the first time that people could... And this that would that would predate cinema, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. oh, sure. yeah. So that was really a first time someone could be like, I'm in this room with that three-dimensional figure. Like I've never been close to a man that looks like that. I'm experiencing this like sub-reality in a new voyeuristic way. And that's mm -hmm. before cinema. Yeah. But I mean, still, you, you can pick a time before which there isn't. Yeah. I mean, you can that's why I said 300 years, so yeah. you wouldn't have to argue about whether it's 150 or 185. But uh, I find that so fascinating. I also find when I'm watching shows, I say, if this were really happening, would any of these people be acting like this? Mostly no. Yeah. Absolutely not. So when you talk about your serious method people, yeah, that's only going to work on people who happen to have this weird kind of overt reaction to things. And I want to- Like Christopher Walken. Or yeah, something. You're yeah. Like you believe him because it's just too freaking weird. Yeah. Like something's going on. Yeah. Something's- Yeah. And I always, always tell this, when I met Christopher Walken, uh, we were hanging around, actually he was backstage at the actor's studio. We was going to be right. doing a thing. And when everybody left the room, he said to me, Ben, you, like me, have discovered there's money- in people thinking you're crazy. <laughs> That's so cool. Is that, is that the greatest thing to oh, say? Is that the greatest thing to say? He said a very similar thing to Gilbert Gottfried. Wow. I think he, he likes to reach out and just have that kind of, yeah, we know. Yeah, right? we're in. I you love and me are that. in on this party. <laughs> he also said that uh, on uh, during this interview, this is actually recorded. It was, uh, it was uh, one of those interviews at the uh, actor's studio. He said, which I just thought was the hippest thing in the world to do. He said that, he said, when I was doing Deer Hunter, there was something Robert De Niro said to me about how to do a scene that uh, gave me the Academy Award. He said, that was the information I needed to be able to do that scene. De Niro gave me the Academy Award with that information. And the interviewer said, what was the information? He said, I'm not telling you. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> which, is, which is really, really hip. Yeah. But I would contend, I would, I would at least think it's interesting poetically, if not literally, that perhaps 
some of the people who were the most blown away on the carbonara effect were unable to be used yeah because they didn't they just didn't have that quality of emoting really big. yeah you're looking for a certain kind of reaction like it needs to fulfill check some kind and of some box. of it is cultural some, some of it is definitely cultural because and uh, age age changes uh, that too uh, D- david blaine said that uh uh when he was shooting his first special which was incredible yeah that um he found that he had to be working in the african-american culture yeah i shot the first three seasons in atlanta georgia mm-hmm. which was interesting because yes you had the african-american community with more spiritual reactions and uh, but there was also the uh, kind of this Georgia politeness factor mm-hmm. where I really had to break the ice. They would be like too polite to say something first mm-hmm. a lot of times that they was just like, well, we, we won't mention that that crucifix moved across the wall <laughs> until <laughs> that guy with the nice hair does. You know, like, so I had to break the ice a little bit there. That, that, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so out of the waste it takes, it's like half, right? More, more than half. More than half that we, but we'll show other ones. I mean, I was always interested in some of my favorite ones are really quiet, just really small, just an eye looking up. And a lot of times I'll be in the scene and I don't think we're getting it. Cause one thing I do is I, I don't look at them cause I want them to have a private moment while the magic thing happens. So if this, you know, plant is growing by itself, I'm not looking at their face to see the reaction. Cause now they have to, they're aware I'm watching them. So the plant's growing and I'm looking at the plant and we let the camera catch it. But by the time I look back up, I don't know. It might be just that their eyes went oh, like a tiny bit. And I didn't see that. So I still don't know in the scene if this is even working. So, but I like those little small reactions, but they, you know, the producers are always looking for the person to scream and crash. Holy to the shit! Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we want, yeah. Someone to go crashing through the wall, screaming Jesus, which we'd like to have that too. Sure. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we did a bit one time where we were going to make someone believe that there was a, an actual mermaid. That someone at the beach was a mermaid. So I'm cleaning a boat with this uh, Mark, spectator, friend, uh, worker for the day. And a lady came by and picked up a dead crab and put it inside of a bag. And like, you know, a beautiful woman, exotic looking. And smoke started coming out of the bag. And then she put the bag down and me and and left. And me and the, the Mark went over and opened the bag. And the crab was alive. So she like brought this crab back to life. Now this mystical woman went into the water. And in one beautiful take, she went into the water and she kicked her legs up. And then her legs came back up as a mermaid la- tail. And we're like, she's going to ble-. And of course, this woman, she goes, it's a fucking mermaid. <laughs> the devil is real. That bitch is a mermaid. Run. You know, like, oh, well, wasn't that? <laughs> you the Walt Disney music. Oh. <laughs> Run, it's a unicorn. Run for your fucking life. <laughs> yeah. So. People react differently to things in real life, right? So that is that experiment. That is so great. So great. Let's take a little break here so I can talk about master class. You know, we did one of these master classes. We did one on magic, which means, according to master class, we are one of the top people in magic in the world. Tell them I did it. And I got to tell you, not only do they teach magic really well, but they teach it really, really beautifully. And I've watched a lot of the other ones, too. I watched uh, Ron Howard on directing, watched a basketball one. I watched a, uh, not because I want to play basketball, I wanted to see how good they were. Uh, an astronaut one, I'm not going to be an astronaut. Well, maybe I will be an astronaut. 
directing one, there's writing ones from Neil Gaiman, there's comedy ones from Steve Martin, there's cooking ones like you wouldn't believe all over. Whether you want to make scrambled eggs, you do gourmet food, it's all there. Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds, like mine, anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn how to do everything from the best, best people in the world. So uh, check it out. Highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass. So you come for us. You want to have Penn and Teller teach you magic, right? But uh, then you can get every single masterclass program. And as a PSS listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash pen. Now, that's masterclass.com slash pen for 15% off the masterclass. They're broken down to like 15 or 20 minute hunks. You can watch them in any order. There's all this supplementary material. Like we've got a whole book with it and stuff. It's it, it's really, really good. Uh, you get recipes, of course, and the cooking things. And it's a wide variety of topics taught by the best immersive learning. They do a beautiful job. I mean, the camera work is great. The people that work with us on it, they like learn magic from us so that they could then teach it. So uh, go check it out. That's masterclass.com slash pen. Because the stuff you learn from these people, even if you're not going to be an astronaut, there's stuff that applies to your life. A lot of people are watching our uh, magic masterclass and saying they get a lot to think about from there. So check it out. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. I was thinking, too, that with magic in productions, I think it, it it takes you out of that suspension of disbelief. For example, like a Broadway show, Ghost. You know, there's that moment in Ghost where the guy actually walked through the door. Are you are you pretending that I saw Ghost? I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm fully miming. <laughs> and but there's a seat. There's a, a Paul Keeve did this Pepper's Ghost situation oh, yeah. with, and this actor walks through the door in this scene to go in and, and be with his love. And I say that that actually takes the audience out more than in. And I had a, you know, a talk with a director who's going to be directing a production of Ghost somewhere in Germany. And he was like, it's much better to just have the actor walk into a pool of light as if they're walking through the door. And the, again, it's like back to that Brechtian idea that I don't have to stop for a second and turn to my right. wife, partner, friend and go, how the fuck the did that guy <laughs> on the playbill just walk yeah. through that solid yeah. door? Yeah. Well, that's, that's, yeah, that, that is the, uh, yeah. that is the tough thing. It depends on where you want, you know, Teller uses the phrase all the time, the unwilling suspension of disbelief as what's happening in magic. Uh, which oh, is yeah. which is really nice because if you're playing along, I mean, this is what this is what's wrong with what I believe to be Copperfield's premise. You know, come on a magical journey with me. Well, then we don't need any magic tricks because we do that with Shakespeare all the time. You know, okay, we're on a boat. Okay, we're on a boat, Bill. Fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this guy we saw in a deodorant commercial, he's now king. Okay, fine. That's willing suspension to yeah. believe. In magic, you're saying, you know, this is a perfectly ordinary deck of cards and everybody's got a chip on their shoulder and you are trying to get them to see something without 
them buying into it. Because if they buy into it, it's no longer magic. You know, that's why we call it special it's special effects then. If they no longer buy into it, it's magic. If you know, if they buy into it, it's not magic. If they buy into it, it's not magic. Right. Like right. I was trying to do a sucker trick as a kid, the die box trick where you're pretending that the die really disappeared and you had to wait until the kids were at least four years old because three-year-olds, you put the die in the hat and say, the die is gone without showing them. And they go, yay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a good. <laughs> yeah. You, so it was, it's the unwilling suspicious yeah. belief. And, you know, when we were doing the, uh, we were just talking about this. We were doing the, um, the bullet catch. Yeah. You know, um, our real problem was finding people who knew guns really well. And there was one night that I asked for someone that knew guns and a guy raised his hand and rather cockily said, um, I work for Cole Python. I'm an engineer. I design these things. I know these things as a, as a challenge, almost unpleasantly. And I was just, you know, I was knee deep in my own cum. I, you know, but, did he look but, at his feet on the way up? <laughs> no, he did not. Okay. <laughs> he, he walked up on stage right. and when we asked him to examine the gun, he fucking field stripped it. You know what I mean? He, he was really checking that gun out. Oh, he was checking everything and he's checking the bullet and he's checking everything. And I'm just on the other side of the stage doing my talking because yeah. he was on teller's side doing my talking and just going, oh, this is fucking great. This is That's fucking so great. Good. And we finish it and teller spits the bullet. I spit the bullet out. And I mean, the guy was in another fucking world. He was just like, no, that didn't, that didn't happen. What? That? No, no. You know, wow. and did you get someone on stage that eh, saw a gun once in their life? Nothing there. And that's what Teller means by the unwilling suspension of disbelief. I yeah. mean, that guy was not there to say, hey, I'm going to play along. If there's no wrestle, and that's the same thing when I have somebody too. If they're not wrestling, like, wait a second, what do you mean you reverse the air and that bowling ball got flat? <laughs> if they just go, oh, they did make that. I mean, I guess that's funny, but that's funny because someone's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but if they're not wrestling with you, yeah. I saw you do the bullet, magic bullet one night and the guy you brought up did no guns, and he was saying every time you asked the question, well, has that been shot through, you know, it appears to be. Has the bullet been shot? It appears to be. He's like, what is this? You just went off on him. You're like, what does it appears to be? Has it been shot through or not been shot through? You keep saying appears to be, like some little protective word. Yeah, we had, uh, we had G. Gordon Liddy. I don't know who that is. Oh, you don't? How sad. No, that's so good. I live in a world now where I like to confess. Good. I don't know things. Good. Um, uh, G. Gordon Liddy was one of the the Watergate burglars. Okay. The main Watergate burglar that brought Nixon down. And he was one. Nixon is. Nixon, yeah. (laughs) Nixon is Cynthia Nixon. I think she's on Sex in the City. She's marvelous. Um, uh, he, He did time in prison and was totally unapologetic. His license plate was H2O, you know, a, uh, a, I would say probably um, in most ways considered mentally ill, self-proclaimed patriot, mm. uh, tough guy, mm-hmm. tough guy, tough guy, tough guy. And when I asked people in the audience who knew guns, he did not raise his hand. He walked up on stage <laughs> and, you know, normally I, I, I'd pull the plug on that. Yeah. But I think, hey, it's G. Quinn Liddy. Fuck it. Let's take him down to Chinatown, you know? <laughs> wow. And he was also uh, very blown away. 
but I can see, I can see how that. Uh, d- now you, I, I don't. I, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't go into this, and if you don't want to, don't. But you did not enjoy doing the carbon hour effect. All we mentioned that during yeah. pee break, didn't we? Yeah, I joked about it. Yeah, M- making the show was never a great time. It was a, it was really burnout all the time. It was a really tough show to make, and I was the only. I didn't have somebody to banter with. It was just trick after trick after trick after trick in a new location, setting up the cameras, and it was just. And, and, the, then, and the and then do it five times and the lucky success of it on a network that you know I I'm so grateful and I really and it's all 24 hours a day now right right yeah it's in syndication yeah. now we have five seasons 120 episodes but they they wanted it faster than we could make it like they do and it was it didn't stop so it was a speedball ride that was just like ripping my flesh off my skull always super proud when we pulled something off always more enjoyable later when i watched the episode but well, the actual know, making of it it's always you know i i think everybody's set up but maybe it's attributed to dorothy parker no one likes writing everybody likes having written yeah yeah but when i do a live show that's much yeah. more exciting yeah. i mean much yeah. more fun <laughs> now you 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 mentioned all this ambivalence towards uh towards uh magic and yet when i saw your live show it was a magic show it was a magic show i know yeah. i know yeah I just haven't found my thing yet, I guess. And the good magic show. I mean, Thanks. there's nothing wrong with doing a good magic there show. There isn't. And I love it. I love the <laughs> device of, what a fun device uh, to be able to, I'm going to, like a stand-up comic, break the fourth wall. We're going to do these little experiments. We're going to talk to each other. We're really here in the here and now. And it just becomes the device for having fun with people, getting to be funny and improvise and play and I, I love it. I really do love it. I guess I've just, the, the connotations of it when I was trying to juggle the, also the idea of, like, let's get me on a sitcom playing a, a comedy role. This is like hard to be, you know, the agents I've, even manage. They, they're they like, oh, he's our magician. Like, guys, you know, we're also yeah, yeah. going this other road. Are you, have you done, uh, I, I mean, I'm. Yeah, I'm some not, guest star stuff and, you know. Since, since Carbonara Effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I guess was just called CE and all your. Uh, C- TCE. TCE. Yeah. yeah. TCE. Yeah. No one can really say Garbonaro with, with confidence, right? Oh, I have the video to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you did great. You're doing great. Well, we started our first uh, podcast, though. You had a little A action at the end, a little bit, but it was sort of, t- I couldn't tell if you were saying Carbonara, but you got the Carbonaro down. Some people go Carbonara. Carbonara. Like the sauce. Which is, it's different than the sauce. He's been learning Spanish, and when he found out Italian, that's when he changed. I thought it was a gay slur. I thought you were <laughs> making me a carbonara. Exactly. Carbonara. 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 No, you've nailed it. It was only like, and I couldn't tell if you were messing it up or if it was tying to your next word. So, uh, But it's carbonaro. Yeah. Carbonaro. Yeah. So it's not like the, uh, the... Sauce. The sauce. No. And when I grew up in Long Island, it was car- carbonaro. Carbonero, I guess just the accent, like Long Island accent would talk was Carbonero. You have to think about that for a second. You, you grew up there. Grew up there. And then I go to stupid NYU, <laughs> strip myself of my accent, and then uh, what are the roles that they want me to go after? Everything everything I booked right after NYU, I had to talk like this and be like in CSI Miami is this guy talking like me. But I have video of me like, we need to borrow somebody from the audience for this next trick. Like that was how we talked, like this. <laughs> Which, but I did have to think about it, yeah. Because now I'm polished. Yeah, maybe... Maybe one of these days we'll be talking and I'll go full uh, Western Massachusetts. I'd love that. You can go full Long Island and I'll be going, I ah, I ah. 
<laughs> which is the way I really talk, as Godot knows. Yeah. When I'm really tired, <laughs> I slide into, yeah. I sound like I'm selling Petridge Farms cookies, yeah. and you will sound like you're in Saturday Night Fever, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, when my mom talks to my aunt, they slip into the Boston. It's really sweet. <laughs> well, I'm not Boston. I'm Western Massachusetts. Mass. Yeah. So New Western Mass is a whole different thing. Western Mass is that, and Wednesday, third day, Friday. It's, uh, but I don't say, like when I would talk- stick. What's that? Like a hit with a stick yeah. sound. That's what that sounds like. Well, my, uh, when, when I would be talking to my mom, you know, and like I'd have like a, I'd be driving with like a girlfriend in the car, a friend in the car, and I'd call my mom on the cell phone, and I would, she'd be talking, I'd be, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. And I say, what noise do you make? I said, well, I just agree with my mom. Just, that's just We thought agreeing. you were choking. Yeah, it's just, yeah, 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 yeah. When someone's talking, it's polite. To it go, is. Yeah. Otherwise, you wonder if you're connected. Yeah, yeah. You have to make that kind of guttural, weird Pepperidge Farms, you know. Yeah, or uh-huh. Yeah, there's like a social agreement yeah, you when you're gotta, on the you phone to let you know we're still here. Yeah, we're still here, especially, you know. Those of us who had cell phones early are used to them being dropped out most of <laughs> yeah. the time. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah, they so, should, at they, what you, it's, I, <laughs> I would always happen. Now, uh, now, there's a chance, which I'm real excited about, that you're going to go into the Penitentiary Theater. Yes. While we're in Australia. I love the idea. Michael Carbonaro live from the Penitentiary Theater. Yeah. Hell, that should be a TV special. It sure should. It sure should. We're doing this uh, bank show because uh, Penn and Teller are in Australia. We are down under. And while we are down under, Michael Carbonaro is playing the Penn and Teller Theater. So if you're in Las Vegas, want to see a really good magic show, go see Michael Carbonaro. Yeah. I you want here to do say- the podcast? You do the podcast with us? Yeah, you can host you the take podcast. Over the- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be here to right. love. Preach yeah. love. Penn yeah, Sunday that's- School. That'll be great. Yeah. No, I would love that. I would absolutely love yeah, that. Yeah. Be, be really good. You know, it's a tough town. There's a lot of magicians in here. A lot here. of magicians. You know, got, a lot of magicians. Well, I want to make sure I can sell the seats. You'll be going one-on-one with Murray Sawchuck. I mean. <laughs> get, get, get ready. We were saying, uh, I, I feel, I can't believe I didn't get this idea. I'm so pissed. We knew you were shooting the Carbonaro effect. We knew that. We knew people working on the show. We knew where you were. Why did we not send in someone to fuck with you? What was wrong with us? I don't know. That would have been fantastic. It would have been really fantastic. (laughs) I mean, I I had thought about doing something on Fool Us, too, to see if I could swindle you guys in some way. But but we're going to do something on Fool Us, too, I think. We'll talk about it. Mm -hmm. We'll see what we do. We'll talk about it right after this. Collab, yeah. Yeah, I I would like. So if you guys never see it. It's because they didn't like my idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can figure that out. So, so they I, had Murray Sawchuck on. Yes, sure. <laughs> what happened so to- I, ideally, ideally, Michael, yeah. what are you doing in five years? I would love. I don't know how this turned into a job interview. Oh, yeah, <laughs> with a weird accent too. Why'd you say that? So strange. Have you ever worked under another name? <laughs> I have, Michael Christopher. Indeed, I have. No, uh, what, what, uh, you know. The box I really want to check is that like recurring or you know series regular on a comedy show. I want to show off my acting chops and get to be on a show in that way. I mean, some of the most fun I've ever had. Like speaking of Carbonaro effect, not being fun to shoot, but when I got to do a recurring spot on Fran Drescher's show, uh, she had a series called Happily Divorced. Like shooting those, the hybrid of the live crowd being there for a multicam sitcom, rehearsing with those people for that week and improvising and playing and then doing the show in front of a live crowd and having that go to television, that really hit a spot where it's like, I need more of this. So I'm searching for that 
opportunity to figure. And you, are you interested in drama? Yeah, yeah. I think I think good comedy actors do drama well. Yeah. So yeah, I am. We, we don't need more experiments than that. No. Every every time they do it, people go whoa. And it's, it's, it's all. I know Kevin Spacey used to be my go-to example of that, but you can't mention him now. Oops. And you don't want him to be your go-to example. So now I talk about the fine acting of Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See how serious Bill Cosby was yeah. uh, as an actor. <laughs> you actually, uh, you know, that's the thing that's uh, that's so heartbreaking. Is Billy Joel, if you want to tie it around, Billy sure. Joel played Michael Jackson a number of times in the opening, not not live. In his pre-show music oh. and post-show music, which I found a choice, it was interesting. I don't know what that, where you, where people land on the caliber anymore. If we're, yeah, I don't know. You know, they, there's a Michael Jackson show in town, and, and in on Broadway, and yeah. a different one on Broadway. I don't know uh, that. Trust the artist, not the art. Trust the art, not the artist. If you have a way around, it's yeah. better, baby. <laughs> but um, but I don't I don't know where the uh, where the where the morality. I don't either. With that. I don't either. I also I don't I, I, I don't know anything about uh, the Kevin Spacey thing, but I don't know much about that either. Okay, let's go to this. Yeah. Who, who who do you think are your best actors now? I love Tom Hardy, and not oh, just sure. in. I really love Tom Hardy. He's funny, Man, and he looks he, good naked. He looks good. Oh my god, really good naked. <laughs> I w he had he's had fessed up in some interviews about. I think his line was like, "I'm from the theater. Of course, I've been with men." Uh -huh. Which I think is so sexy. That is, <laughs> but I'd say Leo is the actor of our generation. Really? What a talent! He's so good. He's what about uh, Hanks? Tom, Hanks is great too, and, and there's a comedy actor. Guy. Ruth on uh, Ruth on Ozark. What's her name? Oh yes, uh, who's up for Madonna? I think for the role, uh, yeah. of, the possible role of Madonna. Uh, I think she's cool. She is, and also the guy, uh, uh, the guy whose name I always forget because he's different in every single role that I saw live. That was in Jerusalem live in. Mark Rylance? Mark, Mark, Mark Rylance. Mm. Mark Rylance. I saw Mark Rylance, 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 on, uh, uh, in England playing a show called Jerusalem yeah. as a big, burly, dumb guy and thought that's what who he, who he was. And he showed up again and no way to recognize. Because that's also nothing to talk about with acting. The people who act as themselves in a different situation, sure. Tom Hanks, or people who are entirely different every time yeah would you say meryl streep's entirely different every time because that one kind of rides the line because yeah. so you get a little streep it's always a little streepy yeah. but she does take on those different yeah characters I, I don't really know but i would it's funny you say ozark because i'd say one of my idols is jason bateman he's really good so good every how time he, how can he be that and, and he's beautiful <laughs> he's beautiful and he's funny or he's totally serious. He's just got that little. Oh my God! I don't know how he does it. This will bring us well, around better than you should to be. Billy Joel again. Thank okay. God. Who's Ro creeping over onto your scale? He is I'm Robert De Niro. Yeah, fabulous in Taxi Driver. Really good in King of Comedy. Good in The Godfather. Maybe good in Goodfellas, which I don't like, but maybe he's good in that. Yeah. Let's give him two more. Okay, but let's just give him two more. Oh, okay. Everything else terrible. Terrible. De Niro, genius actor. Now, Bruce Willis, let's not, the past three years right. we throw out. Right, right. Bruce Willis, good in every single thing he did. Doing harder stuff. I think Die Hard is harder to do than Taxi Driver. I agree with you. You know? Yeah, and I and agree yet, with you, yeah. Bruce Willis on no one's list of top actors. You're right. De Niro on all of them. That's the Billy Joel problem to me.
If you start a certain way, if your first hit is Piano Man, you are fucked forever. If you start out in a situation comedy, you're fucked forever. Yeah. If you start out in downtown experimental theater in no Andy Warhol yeah. and then start with Scorsese, you're a genius even when you're playing like a grandpa doing fart jokes. Where does that leave the hidden camera? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Right now, Good luck, Michael. Buddy. <laughs> who likes Billy Joel? Give up. <laughs> you know, I wonder. Just let it go. Every let it morning, go. I wonder. Uh, but it, I'm also really interested in that that idea of, you know, Tom Hanks. It's hard to get better than Tom Hanks, right. you know? And that's what they're debating now, even with the Oscars. Like, it does it need to be serious? Like, again, that's the yeah. Bruce Willis argument. Yeah. It's like, why, does the, why do Oscar winners... Like, I would trade all of my Oscar screeners for one DVD of Jackass Forever. <laughs> because that's the one I want. Like, I want to go say, I love the shit out of those movies. Oh, my God. But, like, they're not. You know, we can't talk about those being artful at all. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's a... Uh, Which is why I didn't get any Emmy, Emmy noms for No my Emmy show. noms? No. Not I got a People's Choice nomination. Oh, okay. But I think they think we're one, faking it. They, if we had ever had someone documenting and really promoting what really went into creating these realities and they saw what well, was you know, up and, about it. But I'm telling you, we, we both know, and we're not going to, neither one of us wants to, wants to do something really unpleasant, but we both know that the, a lot of the magic shows that aren't even claiming to be hidden camera shows are using camera tricks right. and using what they call friendlies all the time. Right. They're setting it up all the time. And I don't know if you saw, um, uh, we did a thing that, uh, in a show called, uh, off the deep end or something. It was a terrible show. I hated it. Uh, but <laughs> I had a blast. I know, <laughs> I but <love> job. <laughs> we did one thing in it that I thought, uh, was really interesting because I got the idea and then it worked so much better than I expected. It really scared me. Uh, my idea was that we were going to go out and do nothing at all and get audience reactions, right? Okay. So I went out in front of people and we shot all this and showed it. I went out and said, uh, hi, we're Penn and Teller. We're shooting a uh, TV special and we've already shot the illusion with another crowd where Teller's floating in the air and he spins in the air and I put a hoop around him and do this whole thing. And, uh, we shot that. It's all done. It's in the can, but we haven't got all the audience reactions. So we need to shoot some audience reactions, and then we're going to do some interview stuff. And if you're enthusiastic enough, we get good enough shots, we'll use it on TV. And then I stood in front of people, and we shot, and I said, and now Teller's rising off the ground here. Tell us about this high off the ground. What do you see in here? And let's get a shot over our shoulders. We're going to put Teller on a box. And then we'll go around and do some interview stuff. Oh, my God. It was like nothing I've ever seen. A lot of people think this stuff is fake. Swear to God, it was right there in front of me. I saw him float. Every single person. Yeah, it just made liars out of everybody. everybody. Yeah. That's amazing. Everybody. Somebody took a clip of me showing off this orange trade. Someone took the Car a Carbonaro clip and edited out all of the magic. Uh -huh. And it was just me showing someone an orange <laughs> and them going like, oh my God. I'm like, yeah, it's an orange. And, uh, you know, you can smell like it's an orange. How the hell is it? Whoa. Like without the part where it opened and closed up again. And it was a guy reacting to. Well, you know, you have to know what you're really selling. 
there is a video. Did you see the video of Matt Franco? That was from you. That was from me. That was from you. Yeah. I sent it to Matt too. <laughs> it's the greatest. And I sent it to Teller. You probably sent it to Teller too. I did send it to Teller. And yeah. uh, Teller said Matt should be using that in his in his pre-show. He should be leading with that. It is the greatest thing in the world. For those who don't know, it's Matt Frank. Who I didn't send it to. <laughs> Which yeah. would be all of your listeners. No. Have you played? <laughs> you didn't send it to Matt Franco. I did send it to yeah, Matt Franco. Yeah. I had to because I had to justify sending it to everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> it is Matt Franco's face with the magic he's doing edited out. Yeah. And he is just so uh, lovable <laughs> and pleasant and trying so hard to please. Yeah. It's just gorgeous. Well, it also has sort of some jerk off undertones. Oh, there's I, no. I, oh, there's okay, no. Okay, sure. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it, <laughs> it's all of that. Right. It's, but of course. To me, everything has jerk off <laughs> Me too. He was producing cards on his Instagram, and I just zoomed in just to his face so you don't see the cards being produced. You just see him oh, looking at you with so the wonder of card production or whatever. That's, that's, where, that's where we find out what's real. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's a great thing. Yeah, but the, uh, the editing, this stuff out. But, so the Carbonara effect... I think I mean, you're we not- do a whole show on this. I don't even know if you want to go in there because I have morality. We'll have to talk about morality and ethics for that too. Because what, what do you mean? Like just with because I'm extremely you know judicious with the editing of the mm-hmm. show. There's plenty of times where I mean I've got people who don't know I'm a magician, so having you know pointing at a sale sign and switching something out when they're not looking is all very valid to someone who's not expecting a magic trick to happen. Right. <laughs> and I don't show that. I don't think it would change the show. I mean, it would be a different show, but wouldn't take the entertainment value out out of it if the home viewers saw that either. Mm-hmm. However, my my what I wanted to show was you experiencing what they see. And so sometimes there were things that they, I'm being judicious about what I would edit, but it was always fool the person for real. The real person really gets fooled and then the viewer goes through what they went through. And did you ever do pickups? Yes. Yeah. Not not reaction pickups. Mm-hmm. Not like please pretend like tellers floating on a box. But we did ones where they were standing in the way and blocking my hands. Mm-hmm. We'd have them stand and use their shoulder, but never faces right. because, like you said, the people walking up the steps, they they immediately cannot react. Immediately cannot. So that's we come. You back. know what? There was one. I think there was one that the network wanted to make into a finale, and I didn't reveal, and that became the thing. So we called the person back in and had me reveal, and that that was one girl had to pretend that she was being revealed to. And, I figure I'll just confess about that now. Yeah, good. And, so. and, and, but the you, trick was real. She was fooled by the trick. The reveal is bullshit. But you'll still go to hell. Right. And that's, I knew already. We'll <laughs> see you right. there. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll reconnoiter in hell and talk about yeah. what exact sin sent us here. Because, you know, we have some overlaps. There's going to be a lot of time delay footage <laughs> on, uh, that I'm going to have to go through and explain yeah. in hell. Yeah, we did that. Yeah. So, yeah. You, so you left the room with the box, go to the bathroom, and then came back and yeah. didn't show that to the home viewer? And you say you're moral? Like, well, but she fell for it. <laughs> she was sincerely, sincerely fooled. You uh, know? So well, how often would yeah. you do something like uh, for... Paperball over the head effect like that. I mean, what, there's so many laughs viewer? for your show that you could have done. Yeah, that would be great. There was not many times in the show. There was a trick. Yeah, we didn't ever really go into showing right, the viewer okay. what was going on, which I think is a valid thing in magic. I think it's cool to do that. There was one trick that was so cool that only would have worked because by showing what what they were doing, and it was 
me and a, a guy trying to pack. We were at a packing place. And we we're packing encyclopedias into a box. I show them how they all fit into the box. And I take them out of the box and I say, now you pack them back in. <laughs> and of course, as I'm taking them out, I'm adding books that I'm sneaking from under the table. So this guy can never fit all of the books into the box. There's right. always like four too many books. So it was really funny to all of us on set being like, oh, the guy's not seeing him sneak the books in and sneak. But then when we show that as a, as without knowing that that's what I was doing and I was just doing magic, it was just a guy who couldn't fit him in and I could, and there was no entertainment. So that never, <laughs> oh, so you showed that you showed we never did it. No, we never, but we could have showed it if we showed me with doing the tip, it with, with the, the tip, tip off yeah. would have worked. Yeah. yeah. Did you have, uh, do you have any, you must have ones where people really busted you bad, right? You like just knew what was, what's in your fucking left hand. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, that was, that was me on today's show the other day. <laughs> Freaking Jen is like, can I look in your pockets? I'm like, can I look in your pockets? Like, but um yeah there were times when someone's like michael michael this one guy is like mike i think we even aired this one too and we sh we showed it in a specialist as a as a guy who didn't believe it at all it was something like he whatever movie he was seeing you know with the person's name he was seeing he picked out a candy at the movie theater and then when it when the candy came out and opened it that was the coupon for a guy named mark with his girlfriend jessica could get free milk duds if they were going to see titanic or whatever the hell it was and I'm trying to do my bullshit through it. And he's like, this is a trick. And I'm like, no. I'm like, no, that's actually, that, that's, we have many movies that are in here, the different ones that sometimes we open them, they don't match. But the, in this case, it doesn't. He's like, Michael, Michael, <laughs> Michael. I'm like, I am telling you, this is real. And he goes, bullshit. <laughs> this, this, just because of the tone, I have to tell you, I have to tell you this. Doesn't even really fit it at all, but it makes me laugh so much that I think you'll love it. Sarah Lowe, who's Matt Donnelly's wife. Yeah. Sarah Lowe, real musical comedy person and always in that scene and in New York and all that. She had a friend of hers who was uh, in the touring company of uh, Cats and uh, touring all over the country. And he was very musical comedy-ish and very into being Cats. And he was in his full makeup. And they're doing the, I don't know, Cats well, but he's doing the pre-show where they're moving out among the audience. Yeah. And he's like per perched up on the side of a chair. Yeah. And this woman just goes, you're a full-grown man. <laughs> God, that's good. That's so good. Michael. Right to the Michael, bullshit. Bullshit. Oh, my God. You're a full-grown man. That is really harsh. Oh. And I, I never met the man, but I have him very clear in my head. Oh. Yeah. I, had, I had a moment. I was doing a production of Grease, a, a community theater production of Grease, and, and we're in the background in Rizzo's apartment when two other people are talking. I was playing Kaniki, and my friend Sonny, who was playing Sonny, just came over to me. We were just background acting where, like, you know, we were having conversations that you're not supposed to hear. Yeah. And Sonny came over to me, and he does that thing. He's like, are you And I just went, are you acting right now? <laughs> And he just started laughing so loud, like, a moment of reality. You're a full-grown man. You're a full-grown man. <laughs> Pretending to talk on stage, smoking a fake cigarette. <laughs> you're, you're, you've got makeup on your face I always like a cat. It's so weird in, in musicals when, like, suddenly people are talking, you can't hear them anymore. Isn't that the weird, like, reality shifts when people are having conversations, they're trying to be doing background talk, but like, oh, now we can't hear them because they're not important. I don't know. <laughs> well, what we do is uh, we we live a, we live very stupid lives, 
But you are now auditioning like a freak to be in a uh, yes in a major uh, and you're doing everything yourself, just like this. You know, you're shooting, you're your lighting designer, you're your editor, you're sending in the audition tape. Oh, I know, it's it's, it's amazing. It is amazing. Well, I don't, you know, when I uh, when I audition, I go in and go. Um, <clears throat> if you like the way I'm talking right now in exactly this voice with this emotion. You should hire me. Oh, if you want to change it even slightly, you need to get someone else. <laughs> that's great. Because I'm a person with one voice, and I have a way of speaking where only one word is important in every sentence, and that word I say louder. Oh, my God. That's a good technique right there. <laughs> well, Served a friend of mine well. who wanted to make fun of me said I have the perfect way. You know how you do um, Nicolas Cage by just starting a sentence you just have to build and yell so you just start in these sentence and you just yell the last two words and you sound like Nicolas Cage if you want to sound like me yeah. doing a pen and teller introduction you take each sentence think only one word is important that's good land on that and by land on that I mean louder slower and pause before and after and you sound just like me that was Penn Sunday School <laughs> Cha cha cha. You become naked. You ruined the show. <laughs> it's just too easy, isn't it? Road man. <laughs> Boy, it was great talking to you. Road man. It was really fun good talking talk. to you. We should really? never do this again. Never. Well, we'll wait 20 years. Yeah. I appreciate you not hawking products during our recording. <laughs> Thank you. I wanted to, didn't want to go all Billy Joel like right that. You know, we love you. Hey, Matt Donnelly, you got some people to thank? The Big Scuba Podcast.com. Central Park Owl, Lancey Minshew, Stephen White, Harlan Liam Clark, Michelle Yeiser, Jonathan, Brogan Hastings, Placida Scott, Damian Martin. Adam Luce loves Matthew, Michael, Penn, and Reddy. Timo Tihoff, Mark Pickenheim, Miriam Engels, Scott Kelly, Kelly M., Caleb Cameron, Matthew Applehands, Fractured Adventures, Carlos Alvarez, Michael Cornwall, Ross Devereaux, Rue Dudley, and Ryan Matthews. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Keep in mind that my book is coming out. Random is coming out. It's also got a chap book with it that's four short stories. And you can get dice. You can get it all in advance. If you're a Patreon follower of Penn Sunday School, you get enough money off to pay for your whole Patreon. You get a little, little bag for your dice. You get dice with my name on it. You get a signed, autographed, both. Both signed and autographed hardcover book of Random, my new uh, my new novel, and you get a chapbook of short stories. It's not going to be available anywhere else. So uh, do that and do it now. Ready? will probably add something in there that gives you gives you more information. But thanks, Matt Donnelly. Yes. Uh, if they are Patreon people, how do yeah. you get to be Patreon people? Go to Patreon.com/slash pen with two ends. And they can get any sort of tier they want, yep. and then allow them to get my brand new book, yes, random in hardcover and autographed with a chap book. Look it up.